Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all today. And we don't normally get a chance to do this. Wish we could do it more often. But uh, if you are a Carolina fan, can I hear a cheer out? Oh, my goodness. You're, this is way more than the first service. Okay. Now, I'm going to... Because we're doing a series on uncommon relationships and how we do relationships with each other, they say in South Carolina that, well, you know, Clemson doesn't root for Carolina ever, and Carolina never roots for Clemson. But I think Clemson folks, you need to, I, can we give a little shout out to Clemson? Wasn't it nice to see Georgia spiral down? I mean, let's give it up, Clemson fans, for the Carolina people. See, oh man, God's doing amazing things right here at Crosstown. Years of opposition between these two teams healed right here. Somebody tweet that out. I'm not even sure what that means, but if you could, I'd appreciate it. So it's great to see all of you today. want to remind you about Trunk or Treat coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's on the 26th of this month. You can still sign up for uh, a trunk. You can also sign up to be a part of one of our activities to help us. One of the areas that we could use some help is we need some folks in the cooking area. We, we give away free food the whole night. People don't have to pay for any of this. So if you're interested in serving in any way during the trunk or treat, please sign up at our booth in the back or download our app. You're going to hear a lot about our app today. So you can just open up Apple Store or Apple App and Android App Stores and, and download that and get a lot of stuff. You know, we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about living life uncommon income and kind of creating a we power, whether it's in families or in relationships at work and uh, we see the statistics. We're not doing relationships good in America. We need to do something different. It doesn't matter if we kind of throw out a marriage, uh, a marriage statistic. That just shows that we have a problem in that area. But we have a humanity problem, how we relate to one another. So we've been going to God about learning something uncommon. We don't want to have the same work place proximity relationships that, with that we normally have. We want to have something different. So we've asked God to do something in us. So we've used Romans chapter 12, verse 1 as kind of our theme verse. And we're told by God, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Meaning that to kick this off, we're going to have to present the way that we do life, particularly relationships, marriages, dating, family, bosses, employees, Democrats, Republicans, however it is, we're going to have to submit how we do that to God and allow God to do something in us and then we begin to do something uncommon. He says, present your lives to, uh, to, to me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, that we could have some really great outcomes of, of relationships through God. So today we're going to continue our journey, but we're going to go in a little bit different direction, and we're going to do this a little bit different way. Today we're going to be talking about our relationship with technology. Technology is like a thing for, for all of us. Um, this could be a message all by itself, and today you're going to be getting a lot of information, a lot of statistics. Um, we have already preloaded them on the app so that you can download, if you go to our app, you'll be able to download them after the service and get that information. So... And we are using a lot of secular resources. And the reason why that's important is some of you are like me. We're kind of a little, you know, 
Whenever Christians say you shouldn't watch this, look at that, you're like, eh, yeah, yeah, that's the right wing talking again. So what we did is we went to some really um, objective sources to find out what is the real data on this issue of how technology is being used. And also, I'm, I'm going to have like a, a, a little panel discussion here. We are not experts on this. There are very few experts on technology and personal use. In 2012, I believe the number was something like, um, let's see what that number was. It was only 50% of Americans had a smartphone. In 2018, 81% of Americans have a smartphone. In 2019, 95% of teenagers have smartphones. So it's, it's out there and it's become a part of our life. So we gotta ask ourselves, is it enabling us or is it disabling us? Um, and not really technology, but is our personal usage of technology affecting us? Technology is not the problem. What we're talking about is the being uncommon with tech. You know, having that relationship with technology. And are we r rightly related to it or, or is it something that's gone wrong? Um, I think for a lot of us, we have treated the issue of technology like a neutral zone. You know, it's, it's just something that we don't normally um, uh, engage our Christian values into. You know, it's like, how do, how do you be a Christian with technology? So we let it just slip through under the, the radar and we don't really mess with it that much. Uh, we let it live around us, kind of like water, and it engages us. But the thing is, is the technology is not neutral back. Um, I mean, just think about the device that you buy, the device that you own. I'm a techno freak. I have been in technology since 1970, uh, 1978 when I went in the military and, and went into the uh, area of computer technology back in the 70s. I have been in technology for a long time. I used to build computers to make a little extra money on the side. Technology is really something I've always loved and I've always had it in my hand. But the thing is, it's designed to engage, to enable and to entertain at the fastest speeds possible. So it, it wants to take you someplace and it, it wants to take you there fast. But here's the thing, now it's sexy. You know, you, you think about those old, you know, the computer that wore tennis sneakers movie from Walt Disney, and it was this giant mainframe. Now you've got OLED screens, and you've got this incredible space-age material, they call it, that's smooth in your hand. I mean, it's so such a beautiful device, you don't even want to put it in a case. Or maybe sometimes when you get home, you pop it out of its case and just stare at it a little bit. Boy, somebody here has a problem. I, but technology, it is prepared to take us wherever and to help us stay there as long as possible. And we cannot remain neutral. It's not. The statistics show it. Our usage is, um, it, it shows it. The numbers are there. So God wants us to begin to deal with technology in an uncommon kind of way. And so he wants to speak to us about it. In Ephesians 5, 15, he starts off and says this, pay, pay careful attention to technology. You could put it in a parenthesis there. And how you live with technology. Not as unwise people, but wise about technology. Making the most of the time with technology because the days of evil 
or the trouble that you can get into or the distractions that could rob your life are right here and even in our hand. So don't be foolish with technology, but understand what the Lord's will is with technology. I mean, we know that scripture applies to all areas of life, but we need to break through into this neutral zone. And it's like, realize, okay, I've got to let God talk into my usage of, of technology. So let's move into this. And I want to talk about this, that everybody is involved in this conversation. This is not just a millennial conversation. So if you're 60 years old and you're here and you're like, yeah, it's those kids using that technology, I'll be honest with you, my personal observation of baby boomer usage of technology, we're, we're, we really have a problem with it. It's, it's like we have surpassed millennials on it because I'll always see a, a group of people my age in a coffee shop and nobody at the table is talking to each other and they're looking at pictures of that cool little cat video that can play the piano and they're showing their friends that like it was just recently discovered or they got pictures of their grandkids they're flipping through and showing everybody. Everybody has this problem. This is not just something that we're shoving into a generational issue. And can I also say this? This is not a conversation about porn. This is not where we're going. We're talking about how it interrupts your life or maybe takes control of our lives and we're just not managing it and the effect that it has on relationships. Here's a fact. 78% of parents believe that they have a more complicated job in raising their children today than previous generations, primarily because they have the added responsibility of monitoring their children's technological use. You know, most parents are like, wow, this is, this is really hard. Another fact, when polled, teenagers said that the number one thing that they would change if they could, could in their relationship with their parents was for them as parents to spend less time on their phones and more time with them. That's what your teenagers said. Teenagers said, listen, my parents have a problem. And, and really what we need to realize is that teenagers are looking to us to set some sort of, okay, how do we use this thing? And, and we're not involved. And you know why a lot of us our age are not involved? It's because we're like, we didn't figure it out. It's usually a young person gets some app on their phone and figures out the app. And so when they bring it to us, we're kind of like, I don't know what that fangled thing is. I don't want to use it. I'm still trying to figure out my VCR. You know, we, we just haven't like, so what we've done is deferred authority on the younger generation. So we're basically at a point when it comes to handheld technology, the people who speak with authority on it are the younger generation. And if we're going to lead, we've got to, be, we've got to get more knowledgeable about, about this stuff. And we need to also set an example in our own personal lives. Um, we need to set boundaries. God says in Psalm 104, and it kind of displays how God set things up. It says that God set the earth on its foundations so that it would never be moved Referring to God, he said, you covered it with the deep as a garment and water stood above the mountains. As you, re as you rebuked, they fled, and at the sound of your thunder, they took flight, and the mountains rose, the valleys sunk down to the place that you appointed them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they may not again be covered, well, the waters would not cover the earth. Now, we, we know in this kind of beautiful metaphorical language, 
What he's saying is like there was a time when water covered over the earth or there are experiences when, when we're flooded with things. But God said, listen, I set boundaries so that stuff will stay in its place. And the mountains popped up and the valleys happened and water remains where it's water is supposed to remain. And we need to realize that in order to handle the flood of technology and its invasiveness into our lives, the way that it wants to take us someplace and take us there for a long time, we need to set boundaries for it. We need to determine how much of this technological flood is going to um, submerse our lives. So we're going to look at four key actions for families. Now, if you're not living in a family, this, this really could be adapted for a workplace. And we started adapting it here on the staff at Crosstown. Um, it could be adapted for church, how we interact at small groups or when we're together, for friendships, for dating relationships. This would be a really good thing uh, about establishing boundaries right off about how technology is going to play out in our relationships. So the first one would be this, is decide to choose character. That we're going to use character to direct our usage of technology, when it gets used, where it gets used. It's going to be a part of the conversation. Matthew 12.33 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, the key word in all that that I think God wants us to grab a hold of is the word make. You know, it's like, okay, we need to be in, involved with what kind of family environment we're creating. You make that environment. You and your boyfriend determine what is the technological input and, and impact that it's going to have on your relationship. You and your marriage have got to determine, you've got to do the making of the good tree. It is up to you to decide what is going to be the character of your relationship and where you live and how you're going to cultivate family and love and truth in your lives. So first of all, we need to model it. It really matters how we as adults handle technology. I mean, we can't just tell our kids, get off your stupid phone. You know, I'm talking to you. Well, it's like, well, that's funny. When, when mom's talking to you, dad, you seem to be immersed in ESPN sports like nobody's business and checking your fantasy football team all the time and you seem to be totally distracted. If we're going to have character in our families, if we're gonna be employers, we need to give respect to our employees. If we're going to be husbands to our wives, we need to establish the character of listening and dialogue. If we're going to have relationships with, you know, if you're going to have a relationship with your husband, it, it needs to work. So we need to realize that how we allow technology to affect us is part of your decision on what the character and the quality of your relationship is going to be. So... One of the things about character is observing the choices that are being made. And what I've done, I've, I've, like, I've added this team here, and, and they're not experts. Uh, really, I, I wanted them up here because I can see a different place of technology in each of their lives. They're, yeah, they're, they're hipsters. Look at them all up there. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're super cool. And, but they all have a challenge of technology in their life. And they're, and they're all having to manage technology like every one of us. So we want to observe what are we doing with technology. So we went to a, a source called Tom's Guide. 
Tom's Guide has been a technological resource for almost 30 years. If you've been in computers, that's where you find out about hard drives, motherboards, how fast you can make your, overclock your CPUs and things like that. Well, Tom's Guide is a secular source for information about anything computers. So I wanted to go there instead of some Christian site because you could poo-poo a Christian site as, well, you know, they're just right-winging it and they're super conservative and we're not going to... So we went to a secular site. And this secular site listed these apps as not be, should not be on your phone. Um, they particularly targeted it for teenagers, but... If we're gonna lead by example, I think there's something here to learn about. So I'm gonna ask Brian about this. Brian is my youth guy, so he knows what, what it's all about and he knows what's really in right now. So I wanna go down some of these apps. And, and these apps, we were told that by you know, the secular world that these guys should not be on our phones. So start yeah. me off with uh, Yabu. You, Yubo. <laughs> Yubu. Yubu and Yubo. Tinder. And ten, Tinder. Uh, there's an R on the end of there, <laughs> but an in Boston they don't put yeah. the R. It's just an A. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, I really quick, just want to president, I apologize to all my students because I'm already getting flagged from the first service. Oh, really? They're like, yeah. oh, my Snapchat. And I'm like, oh, sorry. But yeah. we really do have to have these boundaries and stuff. And that's when we start to lose control if we don't have them. But Yubo and Tinder, a lot of these here, are, all of them, really, it's, uh, it's something that we shouldn't have at all on our phones, and Yubo and Tinder um, are very, very, they're, they're the typical swipe up to meet somebody kind of app. It uses geofencing um, to see people around yeah. you that are also using the app. And, and, and let me just say, geofencing is for, you got to yeah. explain that for, because I didn't hear about it until <laughs> this time, I mean, last service. So tell me what yeah. geofencing is it, again. It pulls your GPS location um, from your phone and then pulls somebody else's GPS location from their phone. And then it, if you're using the app and this person is using the app, then it says, hey, y'all are close enough to potentially meet up with each other. So swipe left, right, up, down. These apps all use different functions. Um, but do you want to meet this person or not based off of this one picture that is unmonitored also um, yeah it doesn't matter what the picture is it could be yeah and and i hate to use this phrase but you need to know this phrase um and, and this this app is used for hooking up okay uh if you don't know what hooking up is put your phone away don't google it now because I don't know what you'll see if you, if you type that in. But if you want to figure out what that is, you can, you can Google it later. But, um, the, you know, there's no reason why a married person should have any one of these apps on, okay? Um, but also for kids or for teenagers. So basically, they could walk into this church, find out that one of you's on Tinder, and like, whoa, she's here at this church right now. Let me swipe right, and all of a sudden I get a picture of her. Woohoo! You know, and, and so that's kind of the thing that's going on with Tinder. I'm sorry. I'm sure all the young people are out there going, woohoo! You know, go <laughs> ahead. So take us down through uh, Hala. Yeah, Hala, Blender, all those, they... Um uh, like Blender in particular, uh, if you go to the App Store, its title is uh, Chat, Flirt, Meet. So, I mean, that's, that's all it's intended for. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just like Yubo and Tinder where it's kind of like okay. a roulette of people who show up. And uh, it's intended for meeting up with strangers. Um, so it's particularly very dangerous for teens, you know. Wow. Who are, which it became popular. It was intended as an adult app, obviously, but it slowly moved down in age 
and now even middle schoolers are downloading this app and are on this app. Okay. So it's, you know. Wow. Now, here's one that uh, I wasn't aware of was Whisper. Yeah, Whisper is, um, this, that app is an anonymous confessions app. So it's one where uh, people will, they'll confess something that they have done in the past or something they want to get off their chest. Um, and that's what it was in, originally intended for, was to get something off your chest, but it's turned into something where um, it's used as a, uh, like a provocative storytelling type of thing. And people right. will chat back with you about what you've confessed and right. um, things like that. Or so. confess what you haven't done or have done sexually. Yeah. And that's what this thing has become. That's what it is now. Okay. Remember, we're getting this completely from a secular source. This is not coming from a church. And these are professionals that are telling us this information. Um, there's after school and then kick. Uh, yeah. Um, well, after school is, is turned into a bullying social media thing now. It's, um, it's, an another, it's another anonymous app um, that's used where people can talk about what happened at school with other people because I guess they don't have anybody to talk to, which is another problem in the homes. Um, but they talk about what happens at school, and uh, it was originally intended to share ideas between students, but now it's turned into this person is the worst, and yeah. let me put all that out there, and you don't know who posted that. Um, Kick is a, it's, it was an alternative chat type of app, um, one before everybody got free uh, unlimited text messaging, and so it was a Wi-Fi messaging type of app, as long as you had Wi-Fi, you could use it. Uh, but now it's turned into, it has no parental monitoring of any sort, um, so now it's turned into a place where uh, predators go to find teens and stuff like that. So Let me just tell you about this too. Like, Kick is a perfect example. It's like, wow, this app, it's out there. You need to know that this app is run by 19 people, okay? 19 people run this corporation. This little corporation, it's 19 people you know, probably there's a baby boomer making money off of it, and there's a bunch of 26-year-olds working for him. And it's 19 people. But yet this app has worked its way into our technology, so there's millions using it. And we think, wow, this is the way the world's going. This is Microsoft and Google. It's like, no, this is 19 millennials and a baby boomer who have just decided that we're going to create a portal for, you to, for your kids to get involved in and, and to go to. So we need to realize, you know, we don't really let 19 people push us around about, well, that's what the kids are doing today. No, that's what 19 people think your kids should be doing today. All right, so this one, I kind of, this is kind of clever. I like, I, I love, hate this one. Uh, I could see why you'd use this. I could see I would probably have used this one, this one. Uh, this. Hide It Pro is an app that essentially creates a folder for your apps and hides it as something such as a calculator or um, the settings app or something that somebody yeah. would scroll by, a, a parent would just pass right by it and not wonder what is this app because it's the calculator on their phone. So, Isn't that crazy? So this app was created strictly to deceive somebody, you know? Um, so it'd be interesting. You know, check to see if somebody in your house has this little app on it, but it will probably look like a calculator if, if you do. Um, okay, and then we come to the big, the big one that everybody's going to dislike about Snapchat. Tell me about it. Uh, so Snapchat, Snapchat was originally created as a 
a platform where you could send a message to somebody with a picture, and after 10 seconds, the picture is gone. It's since morphed into keeping up with other social media sites, and so they use it for lots of other things like streaks. Um, I know, I'm sure people with kids and stuff, they hear their kid talking about, I gotta send my streaks or something, you know, where they keep up every single day, they have to send a picture with somebody else to keep that streak going. Um, and so they're constantly sending, and we see this in youth groups all the time. There's a phone out, they're taking a picture of the floor and, and putting S for streaks. And so it's, it's, there's some pointlessness to that. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's typically unmonitored. Um, and there are ways to monitor it, but um, we tend to remove ourselves from those things and we don't monitor these things well enough like Snapchat. So this thing has pretty much been hijacked also by people who want to share their personal body image with other people. I mean, we have to be honest with you, but that, that's the way it is. This is what's going on. I mean, why else would you make a system so that the picture disappears in 10 seconds? I mean, it's come on, how stupid am I as a parent? Um, I mean, it's, if you haven't figured it out, what, why this picture needs to disappear in 10 seconds. Um, when iMessage worked just fine sending pictures, if I remember, I could send a picture of me all day long on iMessage, but that's a whole nother thing. So l let me be clear, whether it's these or ESPN or NFL, um, fantasy football or Pottery Barn has an app. I, I bet you I'm gonna see a bunch of phones pop out in the next few seconds on that one. But anytime you allow technology to drive the conversation or the flow of your family or your relationship, or you allow it to dictate it or take up the time of it, then you got a problem with that app. See, and, and we're not even in the porn conversation here. We're just talking about relational, kind of a, uh, relationships being taken in a different direction. So the second one we want to talk about, that one, you know, we're, we're talking about the issue of choosing character. Now I want to just talk about shaping spaces. Shaping spaces, particularly like at work or um, making choices about how technology is used in your family. Where in your family? Um, is it used in bedrooms? Are the doors shut in your bedrooms? I mean, who determined that? You know, is somebody else allowed to pick up your phone? When did we come up with the rule, Dad, you're not allowed to look at my iPhone? Okay, let me ask you this a better way. Okay. Who came up with the rule, parents are not allowed to look at their kid's iPhone? Yeah, 15-year-old girls rule the world. Okay, let's, not, let's, let's face it, 15-year-old girls rule the world. I mean, because I've had one, and they're scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you got a house full of them visiting? Oh, it's scary. I went through it three times. I mean, but it's kind of like all about, you don't have a right to touch my phone. And we as parents are like, yeah, you're right. I know I pay $145 a month for that thing, and I paid $1,100 for you to have the latest and greatest. But you're right, I, I, there's an unspoken rule. So we need to get... What about spaces, creating spaces? Listen to God in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And as a result of God getting involved in the void, the neutral spaces, he begins to separate light from darkness, land from water, and, and begins to create flourishing boundaries. God wants us to create spaces 
that have healthy separations that don't include technology. We gotta look at the spaces and what we're creating and understand are we at home, are we at work creating spaces for relationship? So I've asked Stacy to share a little bit because she's a mom of basically two teenagers. Um, so that puts you in a really interesting category of trying to figure out this whole thing of technology. What, what are some of the challenges that you're having? Well, we definitely have challenges with technology in my house. Um, and one of the biggest challenges I've realized is it creates a disconnection and it creates conflict in our home. And I'm not just talking about my children. I'm talking about between my husband and I. Um, we disconnect because we drink coffee together in the mornings and that's our time. But if I'm being honest, 90% of the time he's on his phone and I'm on my phone. And I realize that that's a disconnect. So it's a big issue in our home that we're dealing with. Yeah. Now, and plus you're riding, to the car, riding in the car together. I mean, your kids are, you know, Emma's driving. But there's a lot of times when you're going to and fro and technology yeah. gets popped out or a podcast gets put on and yeah. a Beth Moore thing. I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to throw her under the bus there. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, we're not talking about porn. We're talking about distraction. We're talking yeah. about things that get in the way of conversations with people that we love. Yeah, and, it, and you know, the other thing I realized is it creates exhaustion too because for a while during the summers, I was like, no technology in the cars. You can't bring any devices in the car and we would try and talk and have conversations. But to be totally honest, I get exhausted trying to monitor it all the time. And so sometimes I'm just like, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of things that we're dealing with that are difficult to handle and are causing a lot of... Uh, uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, yeah. Now you've kind of, there's a new thing that I'm hearing popping up. It's called parking spots that families are trying to put in place. And you've kind of tried to do this. What, explain to me what a parking spot is. Right. So I don't know about you guys, but where we live, we all have our own assigned parking spots when we get home, pretty much. I know where I'm going to park, where Emma's going to park, where Chris is going to park. Um, and just like we come home and we park our cars, we really are going to try to start parking our devices. So there'll be one place, one common place in the house where all the chargers for those devices will be. And we'll just plug them in there and park them there. Um, and try. And we're still working through what that's going to look like because it's going to involve Chris and I having some conversations and really abiding by those regulations and boundaries and then having those conversations with our children about, hey, this is where we're going to put our devices. This is when we put our devices in this parking spot, mm -hmm. how long they need to stay there, because otherwise it creates conflict. We've gotten in a bad habit where my son gets up and gets his device in the mornings and he's on it all morning before school. And it's like, no, that's, wait a second, that's not okay. How'd that happen? Yeah. So a parking spot hopefully will help eliminate some of those issues. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've kind of let it govern itself. It's, but you know, we're in a city that has flood, flood issues, so we gotta redesign the city um, to keep the waters going where we don't want it to go. And I think it's the same way with technology. We've gotta make that decision that it's just not going to go in these areas. So can you imagine, 65% of teenagers said if they had to take, their, their phone was taken away from them, they would suffer from anxiety. Okay, from anxiety. Now, but I, I don't want to make fun of teenagers, but that, that it happens to us. So can you imagine having a home where you only have all your charges in one location and there are no charges in the bedroom? But for a lot of us, what do we do? We go to bed, 
we plug in our device, we look at our device for about 20 more minutes. Usually it's the last thing we do before going to bed and turn the lights off is we just check you know, our stuff just one more time and then we have it on and whenever we get like a, somebody, a message or something, we pick it up to look at, uh, look at that, maybe feel obligated to respond. I'm telling you, it's gotten out of control in our lives. So take a simple test. Look around your, your house and find out, do you have any sacred places? Places where family happens, where you have conversation, maybe share watching a movie together, or where you have time together, where technology doesn't have an impact. Like, um, how about the dinner table? Do you have any rules about the dinner table? Let me give you some statistics. 32% of parents say devices are not allowed at the table. So 32% has kind of stepped up. 22% say family members rarely bring their devices to the table, and 19% say that family members always bring their, their devices to the table. Now what's crazy, if you add all those numbers up, it doesn't come up to 100%. The other percentage represented those people who don't have any conversation about technology. So it just, the water just flows in and flows out whatever way they really aren't having conversation. So there's gotta be some place where we decide that this space is going to be just for relationships, where we're not gonna allow technology to come in and we're just, you know, we're just gonna have this time. Third thing I wanna talk about is structured time. Building rhythm into your life in daily, weekly, um, Sabbath thing. You know, taking a rest from things. Only one in seven adults, 14%, set aside a day for rest. And out of that 14%, the numbers like 50% are working at something else other than their work. So they're not actually resting. Throw technology in there and things get even crazier. Um, few Americans commit daily time alone, 16%. Only 21% will spend any time with God, and only 12% will spend time recharging themselves in a time of rest. So we need to set time limits also. That's another way we need to set a boundary. And you know, Ricky has two little boys, four years old and two years old. I, I mean, and, and they're all boy. I mean, they're just, you know, they, they're going. And so you've got a, a whole different thing about technology and the challenges that you have um, controlling time. So what does that look like? Well, for me, a lot of times it's, it's the weekends where football's on. Um, it's just more convenient if my buddy Alice, who's the four-year-old, if he's just sitting on an iPad while I'm watching Clemson play, then having him come in and want to do a whole bunch of other things that would take me away from watching that game. So it is a little convenience thing. Um, that we've had to journey through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, we didn't have technology, but going out to a restaurant with a two-year-old and a four-year-old, I think we had the same configuration, but in girls, is that, you know, it was miserable. I mean, getting them to sit there and, you know, was really hard to do, and you had to come up with all kinds of things, and what we ended up doing was just abandoning eating out with other humans. For like five straight years of our life, people after church would say, hey, you guys want to go out and eat? And no, can't. Why? We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They ruin in our lives. <laughs> and so I don't know if we were doing any better, but wouldn't it be nice to recycle one of your old iPads into the mix and you'll go out and you'll see people 
you know, at tables with iPad, 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 and mom and dad finally having a quiet moment together. It's just the way that we do it. I'm not saying that's wrong, but we do need to create some sort of sacred place. Yeah. You know? With the time, we have... He's just allowed to play with it for X amount of time, and usually the great thing about it is with all the, with, I have Apple products, so I have a screen time uh, usage and downtime usage um, that across all my devices, so I'm able to see that and able to control how long that happens. So it is using that technology uh, for our advantage, too, and allowing, not completely saying we're not going to have it, but right. letting, structuring that time into it. And we've actually d given you on the app, you can click on some YouTube videos on how to set up your Android and Apple device so that it does have um, time where it shuts down after your kids have been on it a certain amount of time. But, you know, this is not a little boy problem. Uh, when it comes to putting down devices, only 12% of adults say that they will put down their device during the day to take a break from it. 60% of adults say that they never take a break from social media. Only one in five say they've even tried it. 45% of teens say they are almost constantly online. And it, that kind of leads us into another area that um, Kelly works in, uh, the behavioral sciences with children and understands a lot of this. And so with all these devices, it's developed kind of a, a new thing. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's called FOMO. You guys may have heard of it. F-O-M-O, FOMO, fear of missing out. That's what it stands for, in case you didn't know. Um, and what it is is it's an anxiety that something else more exciting exists on my device, so I need to go check that out. Um, right now, it's because like he was just saying it's not just a kid's thing. Right now, the Panthers are playing in London. I've made, I got the score between the first and second service, and everything in me wants to look at my watch to see if we've done better. Don't say it, don't, no head nods, nothing, or worse. So, but that's, that's really, and it's given me, causing a little bit of a tightness in my chest and that I can't figure out what's going on. But that would be the FOMO aspect of it, and the kids have the same thing going on with the devices that they are in their lives with too. Yeah, and this again, not a kid problem. Um, I'm not into a lot of the deeper uh, apps, but I'm a Facebook guy. Yeah, that's all right, I own that. I'm a, I'm a Facebook guy and I, I like it and I post a picture, but you know, I'll post a picture and it'll be like this really incredible sunrise or something and, and I'll kind of put it out there and I'll wait about five minutes and see if anybody liked it and you know, and, if, and I'll be like, what's, you know, what's wrong with these people? I mean, th this is an amazing picture. You know, it's like, I can't believe you haven't liked it. And then, you know, if somebody loves it, I'll, I'll like actually click on it to see who loved it. And I'll be like, I really like them. They're, they're, you know, I really feel like we connect, you know. But, but then I'll get angry is when Deanna, so I'll get my 16 usual. That's my average. I, I hate to say I actually figured out my average. But that's my average of likes on something that I post. Deanna will be like, oh, I like, like that picture, Dad, so I'm going to share it on my page. And then she has 385 likes. And I'm like, these people are jerks. I don't even know why I like them, you know. You know so it, you said that's crazy. It is crazy. Why, why get anxious? Why even be distracted by stuff like that? But that's the kind of things that we've got to um, remember about. We can't just let this flow into our lives. We need to recognize the addictive distraction that technology has. Um, 
There's a verse that comes out of Ephesians 5. We already read part of it. It says this. Do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for it, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And Brian had a little different take on this because, you know, in the Bible Belt, we focus on the wine part. Because when Paul wrote, there really wasn't a lot of other stuff going on that could get you distracted. But yet, you know, this has an application even with technology. Yeah, the, uh, we, like he was saying, we tend to focus on the wine portion of it, but I really focus on the next part of that. That's, uh, this leads to debauchery, which um, to me, uh, anything that's consuming us or that we're consuming uh, like wine, it could be technology or anything like that leads to debauchery or this lack of decision-making process. So we get so consumed by our phones or our technology that we're deciding to ignore our spouses or our children or our children are deciding to ignore us um, as adults or whatever it may be, but we're, we're getting drunk with consumption of something, and that is the technology. Um, so. Yeah, it's this idea of sound mind. We, we're we're losing sound mind, um, and we're no longer minding the sounds of life. So we're, we're heavy into this, and we're drinking in our technology, whatever it is, and there are sounds of conversation going around in the room, in the family, in the car, and we we're, we're no longer have sound mind. We're not minding the sounds of what, what moment that we're having. We're too busy taking pictures of the moment and forgetting the moment and only remembering it by the picture that we took because we, we can't just relax and be in that moment. And we're, we're losing the sounds of the voices of our children, of friends who want to share something about their hearts, the, the ability to have conversation with another human being at work, and we're, we're losing those sounds of relationship. And then lastly, this. It's time for us to establish living boundaries. It's time for us to do it. We need to decide where devices may be used. At work, we have a rule about it at work when we're talking about at staff meeting about our own personal lives and what God's saying to us. Um, I don't want anybody looking at a phone while I'm telling them what God said to me. I mean, does that, what God says to me, is that important or my feelings or what I'm struggling with my own personal life? If all of a sudden someone picks up a phone and is flipping through a phone while I'm having a conversation, I'm shutting that conversation down. You know, so there's got to be a place where we decide at home, in relationships, dating, at work, where devices need to be shut off, um, where they can be used and where they shouldn't be used. Also, we need to decide on certain social media platforms. You know, a 60-year-old guy, I'm going to be honest with you, if you're a 60-year-old guy here and you have Snapchat, you know, you really shouldn't. I, I, you, you know, I don't know why you need a picture to disappear in, in 10 seconds. Okay, um, but that's, this is not a platform that teenagers are um, the only ones using it. I, I think I've told you this number before, and it does refer to pornographic behavior that most porn looked at in the United States is looked at by men over the age of 40. Okay, so, so this is not a, a little boy, this is not an Alice and Doc problem. Okay, this is, this is how we lead, how we create culture, how we set an example for people around us. There are environments where it should be used, and then there, um, there's time when uh, we gotta decide who's old enough for this technology. 
You know, it's like, well, it's not fair, mommy. I'm, he, she's got a phone and I don't have a phone. It's like, well, you know, you're eight, you know, and, and you're going you're gonna to give him um, a $700 device that has unfettered access to the Internet just because his big sister has one. I mean, we, gotta, we really got to be able to ha- have the courage to have these tough conversations with, with our families, with our coworkers. Um, and I want you to really make sure that you avoid the all-or-nothing perfectionism. Some of you would walk out of here today and say, that's it. No technology for us. We're going to be a technology-free. No, technology's here. And technology is not intrinsically evil. It's how you and I are common with it. What our commonality with it. That's what we need to deal with. So the goal is to move towards something healthy. Something to help our kids see how technology is supposed to be used. So as we go into this moment of expressions and we're kind of reconnecting with God. And I think even a moment like expressions is difficult for us because... It is a slower moment. Um, it's a time between us and God. And I think a lot of us are just not good at this moment. We, we kind of get the communion thing. We understand what Jesus did. But we have a hard time stepping into that because like Ricky was saying, it's like, okay, I, gotta, I know a lot of you will be thinking about what's this, the Panthers game score. Um, I know a lot of you will be thinking about... Um, going home and, and um, Googling hooking up uh, because I, I mentioned it. I know that some of you are thinking about dinner. See, that's the problem that we have. We're all going to run through a bunch of thoughts that we're going in a moment. And what we have to do is practice the exercise of being in this moment with each other and being in this moment with God. We've got to navigate these waters together. So as we enter into this moment, Let me encourage you, this is not about shame. This is not about if you're a parent and your 17-year-old just moved out and you're like, wow, where was this 12 years ago? It wasn't a problem 12 years ago. This is something new for all of us. So we gotta give ourselves a little bit of a break. We We gotta give ourselves some mercy from God that maybe we haven't been doing this as good as adults. But we need God to just give us wisdom. We need God to help us create spaces of life flourishing. You know, it's like, where in my house do the kids go and we just kind of hang together? And there isn't something, some technology in there driving the whole experience. Maybe for some of us, we gotta pray that God gives us the courage to face the challenges. I mean, I'm a 60 year old man. But if I had to go home right now to a 15-year-old girl and tell her, listen, honey, we're going to have to rethink the whole smartphone thing, i got to admit, I, I might drive around the house a couple, neighborhood a couple times before pulling in. I mean, because I know that this is just not going to be a happy event. But it's up to me to decide whether or not the floodwaters will wash out my, my family. It's up to me to establish the boundaries first for myself and then for my family. And that will take courage. And then also i got to ask God in this moment to help me and just kind of reveal to me how have I allowed technology to get in the way of me and him. You know, there's a hundred thousand different locations on the internet 
where you can download the Bible. I don't even think I have the Bible on my phone. And you're like, somebody start up the pastor search committee. We've got a pastor without a Bible on his phone. Man, I tell you what, I've got every way to find out the latest score of um, a football game. I've got everywhere on my phone and how to upgrade your car to add another 30 horsepower. I've got, I've got all kinds of things on my phone that distract me from my presence with God. So let me encourage you in the moment, just let God have the courage to just ask God to speak to you. And then parents, could I ask you to have the humility to go home and say, hey, I might have messed this up. And you're, you know, and it's gonna have to start with me. And I really believe if you do that, that you'll invite those who you've already given technology to back into the conversation. You could go home, kick the door down and take everybody's phones away. But let me encourage you, don't let that be your first start. Let it be, let it start with you. Father, as we enter into this moment, we thank you because you are warning us of a rising storm. Maybe that's what that whole story about Noah and the ark was all about. It was about us taking responsibility as adults, following the lead of God and creating an ark of safety for our children, our relationships. The people around us can come in the storm of distraction, too much news, too much, too much playing, too much separation, too much just inundation with all this technology, God. Help us to, to build that ark, to create that place for relationships, those habits of relationships to happen. Speak to us in this moment as we come, as we leave everything aside to come and take the bread and the cup because you laid everything aside to meet with us. We thank you, God. We meet with you now.